Eddie had gotten two Rottweilers, and they were beautiful dogs. Trina came down, this was, I was up in, in Georgia, and we were staying at the Parsonage there. And she came down and she bought little Melanie. And uh, Melanie had called me up on the phone and she says, Papa, I'm going to heaven. Ask me a question. I says, um, what did Jesus do for you? Died on the cross and paid for all my sins. Ask me another question. Because Trina didn't fed her all the answers. She was only four years old. And I asked her about four or five questions, but she had her just like that. Anyway, she was coming down, and they were going to surprise me for her Father's Day. They showed up. And I, you know, hugged them and all, and then I had to go over to the church and get some things done. So anyway, she went out into the backyard. We had a fenced-in area. And she was going to go down there and get me some blackberries, because she knows I love blackberries. But she would go down there, and she wanted to get me some blackberries. Well, I'm over at the office. And all of a sudden, I hear Betty screaming. I mean, she's screaming bloody murder. I ran out of the church, and she says, the dogs have got melanin. The dogs have got melanin. Two Rottweilers. And she was only four years old. And I came down toward the parts, and Trina is walking out with melanin, and she is laying there limp, and her arm is almost hanging off. Just very little hanging on her arm. And you talk about your heart racing, and why, and I mean... We put her in the car, and we got her down to the emergency room. And I won't tell you what she said, because one day I opened up the door, and I saw Melanie and Michael, and she was trying to get on a bicycle. And every time she tried to get that thing to go, her foot would slip off. And she got so mad, she threw that thing down, and she let out a string of cuss words you wouldn't believe, four years old. I was standing across the street, and I says, what did you say? And Michael said, she said. <laughs> so the moral of the story is you don't make Melanie mad. Well, now she's in the, the room, and I think she's a little on the mad side, and here it comes again. Anyway, they gave her about 90 stitches or something like that. So the arm got back on. She had a few scars, and her face was fine. But most of it, it was just from the claws of that dog. They didn't try to bite her. It's just that she was so small and they were just knocking her over and just playing with her. And so they made us do away with both of those dogs, put them to sleep. See, the devil wants to remove the most powerful thing we have, and that's the power of the gospel. Live any way you want. And yes, I appreciate people who give money so we can do a lot of the things that we do and scholarships, everything we do. But the purpose behind that, and I hope that's the purpose in your giving, is so that we can reach more people for the Lord and we can train more people for the Lord. But it's not to be a substitute for your personal talking to somebody about the Lord. God has everybody in different places, and there's people that you can talk to, and it'll make a difference. I want you to look down to the next thing. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Numbers. I want you to see this. Numbers in chapter 30. In the Old Testament, Numbers chapter 30. And this is on page 206. Numbers chapter 30. But now, I want to just read a couple of these verses here. This is tremendous if we only could apply it today. It's how to eliminate your wife using the credit card 
without the husband's permission. Look in verse 1. And Moses spake unto the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel, saying, This is the thing which the Lord hath commanded. If a man vow a vow unto the Lord, or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond, he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceedeth out of his mouth. In other words, good old handshake, man spake, gave his word. Your word's supposed to be your bond. Remember when people used to do that? Try that today with the bank. Next statement. He says in verse 3, If a woman also vow a vow unto the Lord, and bind herself by a bond, being in her father's house in her youth, and her father hear her vow and her bond, wherewith she hath bound her soul, and her father shall hold his peace at her, then all her vows shall stand, and every bond wherewith she hath bound her soul shall stand, because he's to be surety for it. You've got to make sure that's when the daughter is under daddy's rule. She can't just do whatever she wants to do. She makes a vow, makes a pledge, blah, blah, blah. And if daddy heard and didn't open his mouth, then he has to make sure she stands good for that. But in verse 5, and I know you want to go further. But if her father disallow her in that day, in other words, it means the vow doesn't stand. It doesn't have any, you know, as I got right here in your notes, refuse to declare valid. But if her father disallow her in the day that he heareth uh, not any of her vows or of her bonds wherewith she hath bound her soul, shall stand, and the Lord shall forgive her because her father disallowed her. In other words, she didn't have to do it because the father said no. Verse 6, And if she had at all an husband which she vowed, or uttered out of her lips wherewith she bound her soul, and her husband heard it, and held his peace at her in the day that he heard it, then her vows shall stand, and her bonds wherewith she bound her soul shall stand. But if her husband did not give her permission to use that credit card, and to make that loan, or to buy that dress, wouldn't it be neat if they had to always check, well, does your husband know about this? Do you know, Betty has got some of these waitresses around some of these restaurants. When I go in there, and if I try to order some bacon or ham, they look at me, your wife won't let you have that. <laughs> and that's the truth. They say, you can't have that. I wanted to order pancakes one day. They said, rye toast. You know you can't have it in pancakes. And I, I can't get away with it. I mean, because they all know. She's informed all of them. And I don't get any desserts, and I don't get no pies at Village Inn. Even though half the church goes down there and just feeds our little face and eats all that sweet stuff. And I, I can't have none. But anyway... This is just the opposite. It's where the, the wife has to get permission from her husband. And if, if he says no, it's no. If he says okay, it's okay. The reason it's important is see in verse 8. But if her husband disallowed it on the day that he heard it, then she shall make her vow which she vowed, and that which she uttered with her lips, wherewith she bound her soul. And get these next words, no effect. None effect. And the Lord will forgive her. <laughs> and sometimes we might need to get back under the law. No, I'm just joking. You know, you know I'm joking. 
But there's some things that are just of no effect. When it comes to other things in the Bible, you'll notice here, and I want you to read this, and that's in the 33rd Psalm. 33rd Psalm. The Bible gives us a lot of, you know, guidelines that uh, can really help us. But sometimes we just don't care what the Bible says. We do what we want to do anyway. And then get mad at God. In chapter 33, look there in uh, verse 8. Verse 8, 33, and verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of Him. For He spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. God can do these things. God can remove the stinger out of people who want to do you harm of what they say or what they may plan on doing. God can protect His children. He also says in verse 11, The counsel of the Lord standeth forever, the thoughts of His heart to all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord and the people whom He hath chosen for His own inheritance. The Lord looketh from heaven He beholdeth all the sons of men from the place of his habitation. He looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. Do you think there's a God in heaven that's watching you and watching me and knows of all the opportunities he gives to us? And God may have somebody cross your path that you might be able to be. Now, we don't catch everybody. Like one day I... (laughs) I was in a caravan of about, you know, I don't know, eight or nine, ten cars. And this cop flies down the road, lights on, pulls me over. I said, sir, I know I, I was probably speeding. I said, but I was behind all of them. He looked at me and says, do you ever go fishing? Yes. He says, do you catch all of them? (laughs) No. He says, neither do I. (laughs) But he caught me. And he catches you. The Lord has us here for a reason. We have a purpose. God wants to use us. There's people that's never heard the gospel before. One of the things that is so neat, and it's every day that somebody trusts the Lord from the YouTube ministry. They really do. I don't know the total impact, but I know that it's, it's making an effect. See, if we did things and there was, there's no effect, if we never had anybody trust the Lord in Awana, that would bother me. But we do have some. If we never had anybody trust the Lord in Branch, it makes you think whether or not is is it worth it. If we don't have anybody trust the Lord from the radio or the YouTube, is is it worth if we never had anybody trust the Lord in church, is it worth it? There's got to be. You know, one of the things that bothers me a lot, I mean, they say confession of the soul is good, is why this church, we ought to be packed with lost people every service. Think about it. We all know we're going to heaven. And we know that the lost are not going. And we ought to do whatever we can to get them under the sounds of the gospel. Just think about it for a moment. 
Don't you agree with that? This last week, did you really do all that you could to get people to come today? Or could you have done a little bit better? Third Sunday dinner is next Sunday, isn't it? It's for us four and no more. I mean, it's just for the Christian's fellowship. We don't want no lost people here, do we? We don't want them coming eating up our grub. They're probably just coming not bringing anything. Or isn't it something that the Christians ought to go beyond the call of duty and do whatever we can? Stay longer, prepare a little bit more on a Saturday night, getting things ready for Sunday morning, and then try to get somebody to come to church that Sunday morning. And if we have to use a meal to get them here, is that worth it? When in Colorado, we used to take and give out bubble gum, lollipops, you know, anything. The little kids, as they'd come on the buses. And I had somebody who was really spiritual. I don't believe you're bribing those little kids to come to church. I says, bribing is when you do something wrong to get people to do something wrong. I says, we're rewarding them for doing something good. You see, when you don't want to do something, you can find a way to justify it. I'll never do that. No, you'll never do nothing. You say, God's not interested in numbers. Wait a minute. He wrote a whole book called Numbers. <laughs> in the book of Acts, he said there were 3,000 saved. Didn't he? And then it was multiplied 5,000 at another time. Not counting men, women and children. God's interested in numbers. When a number represents a soul, yeah, I'm interested in numbers because a number represents a soul. I'm interested in it. And I'd rather try to reach us as many as we possibly can. I don't see anything wrong with that. And if we can have a third Sunday dinner, it ought not be just for the believers. We ought to try to bring somebody with us. Now, you just stop and think. And you look around. Turn around and look at everybody. Look at everybody. See everybody here? See where everybody's sitting? Next week, I want you to see if they got somebody with them. Don't you want to make a difference? Don't you want this church to make an effect? To pull them out of the fire. When I do the gospel, you know, I had some people tell me one time, I get so sick and tired of him with that little wallet. That's all he knows is that little wallet. All he knows is John 3, 16 and Ephesians 8, 9 and wallet. If that's all I knew, but it's enough for a lost man to hear and trust the Lord, the church ought to be packed just because of that. And you know what I'm telling you is the truth. Because do I want more? Yes, I always want more. I think we can do more. Yes, I do. They had some that went to the, uh, the fair yesterday. How many did y'all have, Jesse? Well, then they said between those, uh, that day on Friday, we had 160. 160? Yes. Now, what if they hadn't have done that? Where was he trained at? Well, lo and behold. Is it worth it? Is it worth all that time we put up with Jesse? <laughs> when we had to deal with him and all of his errors and mistakes along the way, with his waywardness and all, no, no. it's worth it. But there's a reason behind it. But see, if they hadn't come and they hadn't been trained, well, I can't do that. Now, when they're trained, yeah, I can do that. I can do that. They can do that. John, John, he likes to win people. Don't you like to win people, Lord? Yes, sir. Trent, don't you like to win people, Lord? More than John, John. 
more than John. But see, they can do it because they want to make a difference. You see, the power is in that message. If you will give that message, you can have the same results. You can get people to trust the Lord. It doesn't matter if this lady here or this man here or him over there or that and over there. Whosoever believeth on him hath everlasting life. God can use anybody. But the power in the message. And it's not going to be that your life is so wonderful. Oh, I just wonder. I've never seen anybody live so holy like you. I'm still waiting. I've been serving the Lord now for 57 and a half years. And I've never had a person come up to me and say, you know, there's something that's just, I got to have whatever it is you have. I got to have that. But you've got to realize that's good to have a good testimony. But they can't be saved by watching your good testimony. Faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. They got to hear the gospel. They got to know who Christ is, what he did for them, and how to have eternal life. So these things are very important. Uh, look at the next statement here in your notes. Mark chapter 7, verse 13, right there in your note, making the word of God of none effect through your tradition which you have delivered and many such like things. This is what Jesus said about those religious hypocrites. They make the word of God of no effect. Just like Paul made the statement about hinder the gospel. You can hinder the gospel. Hinder the effects of the gospel. Because the more... When we don't do right, and we don't put this as a priority, this is my purpose for living. Now, yes, you've got to sleep, and you've got to work, and you've got to, you know, have a car, you've got to have a house, you've got to have all those things, but, but, but why? Don't take away the purpose of your life, which is go into all the world and preach the gospel. So together, we're going around the world and preaching the gospel. So I spend a lot of time in my little office in there, and I'm working and drawing up notes and doing all these things. And it's people who are giving money makes it possible to go on the radio. See, we're on the radio five, six days a week in Denver, Colorado. We're on in Wyoming and Nebraska and Oklahoma and Kansas and a few other states that people have put us on. And then here, six days a week, twice a day, we're on about three stations right here. Is it worth it? Yes, it's worth it. Is it a lot of money? It's a lot of money. Over $10,000 a month just for the radio ministry. Not to church budget. But is it worth it? Is it worth it? Do we want to just play church? Sit around and just twiddle our thumbs. Boy, we're spiritual. No, I want to make a difference. I want to affect eternity. We need some more preachers. You know that Hank Lindstrom's dead. They had a hard time finding somebody else. It would be just like Hank. That was me. That's because we went to the same school together. I met Hank in 1964. And I already figured out, I've been here over eight years now. I thought it was going to be eight months at the most. But we're, we're getting older. When I die, do we have a lot of young people coming up that we need to? I saw John John this morning. I says, are you after my job? Trent says he's going to get my job. <laughs> Jesse back there, he wants my job. I think it's great because one of these days, somebody's going to get it if the Lord should tarry. Don't you think we ought to have some more young men? I went to Bible school with a wife and two kids, and I had no job waiting on me. I paid through the nose, and I got an average of two and a half hours of sleep a night for two years. 
I paid a price for my education. And the church, it wasn't a great big college out there someplace with all the great big dormitories and the big buildings. All it was was a church no bigger than this on South Dixie Highway called Grove Community Church. But the people that were there, they knew the Lord and they loved the Lord and they gave us a clear gospel and taught us the word of God. They taught us how to learn. Was it worth it? Was it worth me taking those years out of my life? Because I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to make an effect. I didn't want to just live my life like millions of other people and play the little game of just being a nice, good, little, sweet kid, but never accomplish anything for eternity. When I get there, I want there to be people in heaven because they heard the gospel through my lips. They heard me give the gospel. And this isn't the only place that I give the gospel, I assure you. But look at the next verse down through here. Romans 4.14 For if they were of the law, be heirs, faith is made void, and the promise made of none effect. God promised that He would save everybody by faith alone. So Christ had to go to the cross, die to pay for all the sins of the world, so that God could give them the free gift of eternal life to whosoever believe it. You see, man is not good enough to live a perfect life. He can't live a perfect life. Only a perfect person can live a perfect life. And a good person can live a good life, but God says there's none good. Sinners live a sinful life. We all sin. There's only one that's perfect, and that's the Lord. This church can't save you. The pastor can't save you. Our deacon, they don't, nobody can save you. Eternal life is the gift. And he paid for that. Christ did. Look at the next verse here. Not as though the word of God have taken none effect. In other words, if you come to church and you listen to the whole sermon and it doesn't change your life, it had no effect. What's the purpose of studying the Word of God? So that the Word of God can have an effect upon our lives. On the way we think, the way we live, the way we make money, the way we save, the way we give. Everything about our lives. Or you can live your whole life and nothing affects you spiritually. I want there to be a difference. I want this church to make a difference. Anybody ever hears about Calvary Community Church? It's that those people have compassion. They have compassion. The next statement, for Christ sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel, not with wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of none effect. Nothing else matters. The cross of Christ. That's the only thing that should make an effect. It's the power of God. And there's things that can take away from that. And so I... Um, Wrote down at the bottom of the page, the law did not remove the power of the promise. The law did not annul and count the promise that God made as no effect. Because God made the promise to Abraham 430 years before he ever gave the law. And the promise was God would justify the heathen by faith alone. So the law didn't annul that and count it as no effect. No, the promise was still good. It's that the law showed him that you can't save yourself by your works and Christ can save you. So the law was to lead people to Christ so that they could receive the benefits of that promise that God had made. And then I put it in the last little line there. Don't remove the power of the gospel from your life. It's the most powerful thing in the world, that story. You see, if you hear it all the time, you just take it for granted, baby. But a lot of people have never heard that. Do you know when I do that little thing with the wallet, you know there's a lot of people that's never seen that before in their life. And I've had people say, you know, the first time I saw that, it made a difference. John John told me that. First time he ever saw me in Georgia, 
He walked into church and he saw me do this little wallet trick. See, what's the trick? I don't know. I don't know. Watch this hand. It'll never leave my wrist. Look up here now. You need to learn this. And if you do it enough, you'll find somebody who says, no, I never heard that. Can I show you something that made it clear for me? This hand represents you and me. The wallet represents sin. We all have sin on us. God loves us. See, most people never heard that. God loves us. He hates our sin because our sins separates us from God. And the wages of sin is death. Everybody sins. Everybody's condemned. And we're going to go to a place called hell. And don't be afraid to mention hell. Because if there's no hell, then you don't need a Savior. There is a hell. But God loves us and wants us to go to heaven. And God says you cannot save yourself. You need a Savior. You cannot earn or work your way to heaven. This hand represents Jesus Christ. He's God in the flesh. came into the world because he loves us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. But our sin separates us from the Lord. I can't get to God and he can't get to me because of sin. It separates all of us. So what Christ did is he took all the sin, paid for it on the cross, and came back from the dead. So our sins have already been paid. But the payment's not put to your account. In other words, it's no effect. doesn't do you any good just because he died. And just because he paid for all the sins of the world doesn't help you one iota unless you believe he did it for you. See, when you believe he did it for you, he puts this payment to your account. Now it affects you have a payment for all of your sins. That means you don't have to pay for your sin because he paid for your sins. And see, you can't know you're going to heaven until you know you can't go to hell. And I know I can't go to hell. Why? Because I don't have any sins to pay for. He paid for all my sins. Gives me eternal life and I go to heaven on what Christ did for me. You understand that? Isn't that clear? And God says, whosoever, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever... Believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. If you have trusted Christ as Savior, God says you have everlasting life. And if it's everlasting life, and all your sins are paid, where would you go when you die? To heaven. Can you know that you're going to heaven before you die? How many of you know positive? If you died right now, you go to heaven. Let me see your hand. All right, put it down. That's a lot of hands. I don't know if it was everybody, but it's a lot of hands. But if you're here today and you're not positive, you say, I, I couldn't really raise my hand. Well, you can if you'll trust Christ as your Savior. There's no tricks to it. And the only thing you have to do is to believe that when Christ died, he died for you. And he'll put that payment to your account and you get to go to heaven on what he did for you. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed and no one looking around. If you're here this morning, and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? I pray that you will. There's no tricks to this, no gimmicks. I'm not going to have you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you, but right where you're sitting. Say, preacher, I want to make sure I'm going to heaven. Today, I will accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'd like you to pray for me. Would you just slip your hand up very quickly and put it right back down? Is there anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as your Savior, Next week, I want you to come, third Sunday dinner, and I want you to bring somebody with you. Would you, especially this week, talk to somebody. Go out of your way and try to invite somebody to come, even if you have to go by and pick them up, whatever you got to do. But if all of us did this, you'd be surprised. We could really make a difference, make a great impact. 
Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. We're thankful for your word, and we pray that we would have that great burning desire to make a difference. In Christ's name we pray, amen.